off like a knucklehead. Okay? Welcome back to the Chase Brewster Show. I am your host, Chase Brewster. Today we have a very, very special guest. And, you know, we start every show by saying we have a special guest. But but today we have a real legend, uh, somebody that I've really looked up to from afar, someone who is respected by anybody you ever talk to, someone who's changing the game for the right way in the ways that we all want to stand behind, and someone who I'm really thankful to call a friend, University of Indiana assistant coach and recruiting coordinator, Derek Simmons. How are you doing today, coach? I'm doing great, man. That was a, uh, no, you know, very flattering introduction, man. I appreciate that. How are you doing? You doing all right? I'm good. I'm good. I I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, You're you're one of those guys that would like to record late, so you're a dream for for (laughs) a guy like me that can can knock out an hour session with – with one of my friends at, at nine o'clock at night. So that's, that's an ideal situation. No doubt, man. No doubt. You know, I, I uh, typically stay up kind of late. You know, we got practice uh, pretty much all day and trying to, or I shouldn't say all day. It's like more so in the office trying to prepare for practice. And then we got practice and whatnot. And then, you know, once I leave, uh, once I leave campus, you know, I've got, two kids that are playing sports. So I like to go see them play. And t- typically later at night is when I try to get, you know, some of my recruiting stuff done. So this is like the perfect time for me. Well, when we, when I started the podcast, I by no means think I'm a, you know, a journalist or whatever, but I really felt like I had just the greatest network of friends. And I feel like that's my biggest trait. There's so many people, some are better friends than others and some are even acquaintances, but you know, I just would have all these conversations on the phone, like like hundreds of that me and you have had. And I just said, hey, man, I really think I should bring, like, these guys to light. The Derek Simmons of the world, the Matt Hobbs of the world. We just had Wes Johnson on uh, for episode one of season two. And I just said, man, like, I'm talking to these guys anyway. They're who I consider some of my favorite people in the world. Let's just hit record and kind of kind of let the world know what kind of people they are. So, uh, when I came up with this concept, you were exactly the kind of person I had in mind. You, a uh, little bit, little bit north now, a little bit colder than, than where I'm at, but no reason that everybody that, that plays for the sticks or deals with us shouldn't know uh, Derek Simmons and his story. So again, I appreciate you coming on. No doubt, Chase. I appreciate you having me, man. Thank you. Let's uh, let's get after it. I'll be honest, man. I hardly ever take notes. I don't. I, I want to have the utmost respect and professionalism. Um, but I don't really ever take notes because, I, you know, I just I find the conversations can flow so many ways and notes kind of pin you down. And But I wanted to do your situation justice. I wanted to just kind of be like, hey, let me make sure I know what I'm talking about and, and got to really say without sounding like too much of a fanboy. You know, I got to meet you when you were at Alabama. And ever since then, I've, I've known how successful you were and just how great a dude you were. But I, I had no idea, like unbelievable playing career. And even what you did before Alabama, I mean, like when you say legend, I mean, like it, it goes back to your prep days, man. And so I'm excited to to kind of get in and get after it. And uh, I guess no better way than, than to start. I mean, big time player, uh, Chattahoochee High School looks like coming out. And 
Uh, ended up going to UM, maybe maybe played in the D2 World Series, I think, and then transferred over to Georgia State and broke about every record they had. So uh, kind of want to start growing up and kind of what that was like. Obviously, you were in kind of a hotbed of talent and uh, kind of led you on a different path in, in, in the beginning of your college and then transferring eventually. So kind of want to tell the listeners about that story. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, very fortunate growing up having two parents that uh, – you know, really took care of me from a, you know, athletic standpoint. Um, played in the hotbed, like you said, Chattahoochee High School. I graduated in 2004. Um, actually, the year after I graduated, they won the state championship. But, uh, you know, at the time, I would say our region was probably one of the tougher regions in the state of Georgia. And, uh, you know, had a chance to play over at East Cobb when – when travel travel ball was just pretty much like East Cobb and uh, Doolin Dodgers were still around and, and uh, you know, like Florida Bombers. And, you know, it was only, you know, travel ball was pretty much like a select group of kids. You know, you had to try out and make a team, right? Sure. Uh, and so, you know, I was very, very fortunate uh, to play over at East Cobb, you know, play with the Astros and, and – East Cobb Braves, uh, Kevin Baldwin was my coach. And so was Al Getz, who's now a uh, – he's now an agent. Um, and so played for those two guys. And, and, you know, it was almost like right place, right time. And, you know, recruiting back then was, you know, every July 1st of a kid's junior year, you would, you know, kind of sit by the house phone and see who was going to call you, right? Um, and so, you know – my recruiting process was one where, you know, back when I was in high school, there was no 25% rule. <clears throat> you know, if a school offered you, you could, you could pretty much, you know, get 500 bucks, right. Or, you know, a thousand bucks or whatever it may be. And so for me, my recruiting situation was, you know, I wanted to go to a school that was the best fit for me. And, you know, I'm originally from the state of Alabama and, uh, you know, I knew about I knew about the University of Montevallo and, you know, you know, at the time when I was being recruited there, you know, the program was just OK. Uh, but they got a new head coach and, and they had a recruiting coordinator who I really fell in love with. And, you know, I just wanted to go to a place that was the best fit for me to where I could go play and, uh, you know, committed there my senior year of high school. And, uh, you know, two years there, went to the Division Two World Series, had, you know, a ton of success. And then I was, you know, I said to myself, you know, I want to go back home and, and uh, play up a level. So, you know, I was able to get an opportunity to play at Georgia State University, which was, you know, unbelievable. I had the time of my life. I mean, you can only imagine a, you know, 20-year-old kid in downtown Atlanta playing baseball, right? So. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I had the time of my life and, and uh, you know, was fortunate enough to be on some really, really good teams. And, you know, it was there where I met my wife. And, uh, you know, had I not gone there, and this is kind of what I tell kids in the recruiting process where, you know, just make sure you pick the right fit for you. Because <clears throat> where I ended up going to school, you know, I had a great career there or pretty good career. And, you know, I was able to meet my wife there, which changed my life like absolutely 
changed my life. So, uh, so yeah, so that was kind of like my prep days, you know, my college days and, and, uh, you know, had a lot of fun, won a couple championships, went to a couple regionals and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. So did you play, did you play on USA as a player also? So I actually had the opportunity. So, uh, Back then, Team USA, so they had like a collegiate team. They've always had a collegiate team. And then they also had a team that went overseas that would go play in the Netherlands for like the, uh, I don't know, it was like the, the Cup World Championships or something like that. Yeah. So I had the opportunity to go play with them. But unfortunately, that trip got canceled. So, you know, I wasn't able to play like on the team, but I was selected for that team. So, uh, you know, I want to say that was my junior year after my junior year. So, so yeah. So a little bit of foreshadowing, because it, it, even though a, a USA event gets canceled, you would eventually play a huge part at USA that, that we'll get to later. I had no idea that that, uh, that event got canceled, so I hate to bring up a, a sore subject, but mm-hmm. – had a great career at at um at Georgia State. Obviously, you know, just at this point, you've you've been a winner for a long time now. One one in high school, played at East Cobb, which is one since before I was born, and um you know won a won a World Series or played in the World Series, and and then won a more than your fair share at Georgia State. <clears throat> at what point did you know you wanted to coach? I I think you maybe played a little pro ball with the Grizzlies, but like at what point did you know you want to coach? I mean, is that something you always knew or you know, kind of take me into how you ended up in Central Michigan to start your coaching career. Yeah, no, it wasn't really. <laughs> so I uh, had an opportunity to play independent ball. Um, and after a year of playing, you know, it was one of those situations where I was kind of like in the middle of things of what do I want to do next with my career? And I remember I called up uh, our assistant coach at Georgia State, who's now the head coach, Brad Stromdahl, awesome guy awesome guy. And, uh, you know, he really helped me and, you know, I wanted to stay in baseball, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. And, you know, I had such a great time in college that, um, you know, I wanted to stay in college. And so he said, Hey, there's, or actually this is what he said. He said, this is what you need to do. You need to, you know, send your resume out to every division one school. So I did that. And about a week later or so, um, he actually coached at Central Michigan before he came down to Georgia State. And so he said, hey, there's a volunteer position open up at uh, Central Michigan. Would you be interested? And I was like, absolutely. I had no idea where Central Michigan was. (laughs) Couldn't tell you. And, you know, this is a Georgia boy, right? Like I was born in Alabama grew up in Georgia, had like never been north of Tennessee, right? So oh, yeah. Um, so for me, it was, you know, just an opportunity and never had gone up there. And I remember I made like the 12-hour trip up there. Well, first off, I talked over my with my wife. We were engaged at the time and she said, you need to do it. So, you know, I drove up there 12 hours never driven that far in my life. Right. Uh, my, uh, Jeep actually broke down on the way, you know, it was my wife's Jeep. Um, it actually broke down on the way. And, uh, when I got to campus, you know, it was one of those 
things where I was like, okay, like, where am I at? You know, like, what yeah, is yeah. going on? And uh, I actually remember my first day, I just, I just kind of assumed that, you know, a college coach, they just show up to the field and that's it, right? I had no idea about staff meetings, office work, none of that stuff. And so, like, the first day on the job, I just showed up at the field at 2 o'clock because we always started practice at 2 o'clock at Georgia State, right? Um, mm. And so the head coach, you know, Steve Jackson, he ended up saying, hey, son, you need to come to the office around 8, 8.30 in the morning. And, you know, in my head, I was like, what are we going to do? Like, what is there to do, right? All you do is you just take VP and you go play, <laughs> you know? Um, and so when I got into the office, that really changed my life to where, you know, Steve Jaska, the head coach there and, um, Jeff Opelouski, who is the pitching coach, who's now at Miami, Ohio, those two guys ended up changing my career as a college coach. Um, just from the work, work ethic standpoint, you know, the structure practice plans, um, Jeff really taught me a lot about recruiting and and so that really changed my life and and i would say the thing that i did not know was that uh dave kylitz who was a player at central michigan was the ad there and the head coach there he was actually the president of the abca mm. so i would meet with dave once a week and i had no idea who he was you know how powerful he was and it was almost like, you know, I was a very fortunate and lucky man to go up there to Central Michigan and have these people placed in my life. And Dave Kylitz, you know, to this day, you know, we still talk on a regular basis. But he was he was a guy that helped shape my career. Yeah, that you know, for a first year guy starting out, I mean, those are those are obviously, I mean, Hall of Fame human beings. Uh, so it's, uh, it's amazing somehow sometimes fate intervenes. I mean, the ball was of the world and you just go through your career of up to this point. I mean, these are, these are people that, you know, some people dream of working with or playing for. Um, so it's, it's definitely easy to see, you know, so far, you know, what kind of style you have or, um, you know, kind of your recruiting efforts, it, it's starting to come out because of, of who's molded you and, uh, Obviously, talking to some coaches so far, I think this is the 15th episode we've recorded. I mean, it's kind of crazy almost how uh, every story kind of starts the same. There's just these Hall of Fame people and they touch you. And at the time, you have no idea. Literally. It's like when I when I first yeah. got to college, I used to hate Will Bolt. I hated Justin Seeley. You know, I hated Lance Harville. Like, I had no idea. And now you look up and these are like world-renowned human beings. Great coaches and all that stuff, but yeah. just the, the salt of the earth. So. Um, did you, it, what, like, at what point did you realize how blessed you were to kind of be around people every day that, um, I mean, it probably feels normal at that point, but just that are, that are kind of bigger than, than baseball itself. Yeah, no, I knew it with, um, Steve Jaska, who was the head coach. Um, uh, he would take me every morning and we would go to a coffee shop and, you know, I was still a kid at the time and I never drank coffee. Right. And he was like the first one that put me on coffee, right? And, <laughs> and you know, in this profession, you need coffee. So, oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so he was a guy that, that taught me about practice plan structure. 
Um, Jeff Opelouski was was or and still is today an incredible recruiter. And you know when we would sit down in those recruiting meetings, he knew every single kid like the back of his hand. Like you know, at the time it seemed like he knew hundreds of thousands of kids. And you know, I'm I'm in there just trying to keep track of ten to fifteen, you know. And so you know, I kind of almost made it a point to where I'm gonna I'm gonna get to a point one day where I know every single kid or try to. And so he really helped me with recruiting, how to have like a recruiting board, you know, a tier one, a tier two, a tier three guy, what to look for. You know, he was a pitching coach, what to look for in pitchers, what to look for in position players. Um, So he was great from a recruiting standpoint. And then uh, Coach Kylitz, you know, he, he he was one that really helped me with the interview process with you know, when you do sit down with other coaches, you know, how to interview. Um, and then, too, from a recruiting standpoint, since he was a coach, you know, he taught me his philosophy when he was a head coach, how he recruited players and how much he had success there. Um, so, so yeah, I was very, very fortunate. And, you know, at the time, I didn't really know, but Central Michigan, you know, that stop up there was by far probably uh, – <laughs> the best stop I could have made in my coaching career. And you, and you had some success there too. Maybe won the Mac West, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, we sure did. We actually, uh, uh, so my second year there, I was only there for two years. So my second year there, we won the Mac West, uh, and we played Kent state in the conference championship game that year. And Kent state actually won. I, you know, I want to say it was like two to one or maybe three to one to hit, they uh, scored late on us, and uh, that was actually the year they went to the College World Series. So, mm. so yeah, so that was a really, really good team. And the MAC, uh, still to this day, is a very, very good conference. Oh, for sure, for sure. So you're so you're at Central Michigan. You have some success. You learn a lot. You play. You win the MAC West. You play in the conference championship, and then you end up coming back a little bit closer to home, uh, coming to Kennesaw State. So take me through that process. Did you? Uh, were you trying to get back south? Did you um, did, were you eyeing for the Kennesaw State? Did fate intervene again? Kind of take me through that process. Yeah, no, it was kind of fate. Uh, I, I actually met with Dave Kylitz and uh, you know really loved my time at Central Michigan and my me and my wife and and two we just had a daughter. She was up there, and so and so it was one of those deals where met with Dave and he said, Hey, you can't be a volunteer coach forever. What do you want to do? And I said, you know, I really want to go down South. You know, it doesn't really matter if I could go back to the state of Georgia, that'd be great. But at the time, you know, I'm starting to starting to learn uh, college baseball and, you know, how the profession works. And so uh, he actually made some phone calls and you know, I picked up the phone one day and it was Mike Sansing over at Kennesaw. And he said, I got a volunteer spot open. Would you be interested in it? And I said, absolutely, like 100%. And, you know, my wife was really fired up about going back home. Uh, and it was 100% Dave Kylitz, right? I mean, it was all him. And uh, it was really interesting. I'm not sure, you know, 
how this played out. And I still don't know to this day, but I was literally the volunteer for probably a month. Uh, the recruiting coordinator at the time, Derek Tucker, who is a tremendous human being, really good evaluator. He actually just took a scouting job. I was there for a month and then he ended up taking the scouting job with the Texas Rangers. Mm. And so, um, Coach Sanson, he had me go through the whole interview process at Kennesaw. And, uh, you know, I was sweating bullets, right? I'm probably 25 years old. And, you know, I don't know who he's bringing in. And, and uh, you know, went through the whole interview process, met with him, met with the AD, and uh, ended up getting the job. And, and it was, uh, you know, life-changing for sure. Life-changing for sure because what – just what I learned in probably the month that, or I'd say probably two months that Derek Tucker was there from a recruiting standpoint, plus all the stuff I just learned from Central Michigan, uh, it was very valuable to me. And so he already had a great team in place there. Um, he, he had recruited some really good players in, in the, you know, I want to say like the 2013 class or whatever. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, so the team was 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 like pretty much set. You know, there's a couple pieces that we needed to go get. But, uh, yeah, we just went on an incredible run there. I was there for four years. And in those four years, we won the Atlantic Sun Championship twice, went to a super regional, um, went to the school's first ever regional. And in that run, you know, we went to a super regional. So, yeah, it was a tremendous experience. So tell me, because obviously Atlanta is a huge place. So you you've left Michigan, where it's miserable and cold at least a third of the year, and now you're how far from home at this point? In, oh Kennesaw? man, Kennesaw, uh, from where my parents grew up, probably probably about thirty minutes away, and then my wife, where all her family was at, was probably twenty minutes away. So you're living the dream. You're, yeah. you're getting paid now. You're working at Kennesaw. The Owls are on the move. Fantastic campus. See, we we play in Atlanta three times a year, and we stay at the Embassy Suites right there. Like when oh, I come out by oh, Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You've probably driven by it 100 times right there yeah. next to Taco Mac. And yeah. So I, I can tell you, I can walk to that field from our hotel. Um, so you've, you know, you've, you've got a great office, a great home field. You've coached in the Super Regional. 30 minutes from your parents, 20 minutes from your wife's family, and somehow you decide, hey, I'm going to leave all this and go to Alabama. And obviously the SEC is enticing and, you know, whatever. So I'm assuming that played a huge factor. But how hard was it for you um, with all the success you guys were having to leave and go join a first-year staff uh, over at Alabama? Yeah, it was it was tough. I would say uh, it was tough for me to leave, like, the team and to the recruits, um, or I should say the commits that we had, you know, that was, that was extremely tough. And, and one of the commits, um, he was actually, he was actually a senior, Brandon Marsh, who's the starting center fielder for the Phillies now. Um, he just got taken in like the second round. And so, and so as I was kind of going through this process with Alabama, um, it was maybe, it was maybe like a week before the signing deadline. And, you know, to this day, you know, I think that if I, if I had stayed at Kennesaw, he probably would have came to school. Um, and, 
you know, it was really, really tough, but I kind of felt, you know, for my career and, you know, just a competitor in me, I wanted to see what that league was like and what the players were like. And, you know, being at Kennesaw, we would always play, you know, Georgia Tech, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, pretty much every year, right? So, you know, I, I just wanted to see what that league was like and, and uh, see if I could compete at the highest level. Now, how far is Alab- how far was Tuscaloosa from, like, where you were born? I mean, still not far away from family, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, be- yeah. so being uh, in Tuscaloosa, Montgomery's probably about a little under two hours, I would say. So, uh, so yeah, so, like, my mom and dad's family were, were, you know, two hours away, and and Tuscaloosa to Atlanta was about three and a half hours. So it wasn't wasn't anything crazy. You know, it wasn't anything crazy. Yeah. So do you remember the day we met? I do. So so You were were either on on an interview or your first day, but I I remember you were – I can tell you what you had on for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me. You had a white – you didn't have a sports jacket on. You okay. had a white, you had a white, I mean, extremely fresh button down press uh, shirt on with stripes. And you had like maybe a, I don't know, some kind of striped tie and black slacks. Yeah. And uh, we were standing in the gym. I took Jaden to visit. Jaden Hill came. I, I took Jaden on his visit to Alabama. And we're standing in there. And you come, because I think y'all's offices were in the girls or the basketball gym. It sure was. And the girls, because the girls maybe had a recruit on campus, because I remember for some reason, maybe like a, something with women's basketball was on the scoreboard. Like maybe they had a recruit's name or something. And, you know, he was kind of explaining to us the whole, you know, because at this point, expansion is coming, right? Like yeah. you're getting new everything at the baseball field, and we're just trying to patch it together. Um, I just remember you and another coach rolled in, and, I mean, you were extremely sharp dressed. I don't remember if you were about to interview or if you had already – if that was your first day, but it was something along those lines, and um, that, the rest is history. But I, I remember that like it was yesterday for some reason. And, yeah. Um, oh, so I'd actually just accepted the job probably about, you know, two days prior. And okay. It was my first day on campus, and so I was meeting with the AD and, and, and then, too, obviously the head coach. Um, so just meeting different people and, and – you know, my dad was a businessman. He always said, "Hey, oh yeah, never go underdressed." So, um, so yeah, so I do remember meeting you in the parking lot, and you're like, "Hey, I got this kid, Jaden Hill," and I, you know, I remember standing and looking at him and being like, "Oh my gosh, like, like who is this kid?" You know, and he was probably 16 at the time. Yeah, he was about to be a junior, junior maybe. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he. So it was such a cluster, kind of. Um, because Saban wanted him to play football there. Okay, and it's really Jaden's. It, it's really Jaden's story to kind of tell. But um, I, I'll give you the the the. I mean, I lived every second of it. But so Jaden had a family member, number one player in the state, and football. He was a year or two older than Jaden, and he was going to go to Alabama. And that was kind of what they were thinking. They kept going, "Hey, bring Jaden on the visit. Bring Jaden on the visit. You know, whatever." And so that kid ends up going to Arkansas or whatever. So Jaden's like baseball only. And, you know, they're like, hey, when you like, you need to go visit Alabama football or baseball because football wants you to stop by. And his coach, Matt Richardson, his high school football coach, I mean, did just a tremendous job with their recruiting process. And, you know, they're like, hey, Saban wants them to play football, wants them to play football. So, I mean, we kind of roll in. And, I mean, we it's like a two-part 
it's just me and him. It's like a two-part recruitment visit. I mean, we got to go to football. We got to go to baseball. We got to do all this stuff. Well, man, all of a sudden, they're like, this one coach comes in, and he's just like, Save, he shows us a video of Saban jumping like off a dock into, um, I guess he had like a lake house that he yeah. would go to all the time. And uh, he, I mean, I guess like up there it's famous or like just a wise myth or whatever, but they're like, hey, Saban's at his lake house again. And he's like, look, and he goes, we're not just making this up. Like he, I mean, he's just not in town or, you know, I don't know where the lake house was or any of my business, but they're like, you know, this is so unfortunate. Like he wants to meet you. So we do all that and they show us his office and all the rings and all that stuff. And, and just really unbelievable experience. And then we go, and we meet um, coach and, and see the gym and, and um, take us over to see the baseball field, which you guys did an unbelievable um, renovation. I mean, just, and and it was kind of like as a guy who's been to Bob Stadium a thousand times, you know, you're going like, well, it's easy to see why Alabama's a little bit behind, but yeah, it wasn't nine months later they were kind of trying to lead the pack and and uh, upgrades and all that stuff. So as as bad as it ended, you, you guys did a lot of good things there, and I have no doubt the success of that staff was going to keep going if fate um, would have let that continue. But but you and your one year at Alabama, a lot of good things happened. Yeah. Um, kind of take it through that you're, you're still a young man at this point you're in the sec you've you've worked really hard you're at the the pinnacle of a of an older 20 young 30 year old coach and kind of doing all you can do you're in the best league and kind of take me through that whole experience yeah it was it was a uh you know obviously not the year that we wanted to have but it was it was it was a pretty good experience for me i'll say that it, it was uh you know good with with just being around you know the best coaches in college baseball right uh, and to the best players I know we played uh, a really tough schedule in the SEC because you know with with Alabama being on the west side of the SEC you know all the teams are great in that league but the oh yeah you see west is is I mean, it's a gauntlet, right? It is a gauntlet, and uh, and like the three or four teams that we pulled from the East were Florida, Vanderbilt just won a national championship, you know, the year prior. Um, South Carolina was really good, and and, and so um, you know, I I believe LSU and Florida played for the national championship that year, and uh, you know, we played both teams, and they were really really good obviously and so the good was playing against you know the best competitors in college baseball right um but then the bad part was you know that was probably you know well not probably that was like the first losing experience i had ever had right um you know as as a player because you know i'd always wanted high school you know was very fortunate enough to be on some really really good teams and same thing in college and that and you know as a college coach was very fortunate enough to be on some really good teams so you know that was the first like losing season that I had so so it was you know pretty rough from that standpoint um and then too just you know getting let go uh you know it kind of hurts your I don't want to say ego but but you know your manhood you're like well you know you're supposed to provide for your family um me and my wife, we just had a son probably, probably three years prior. Um, and so yeah, a future stick shortstop. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 
And so, you know, as a man, it, it was just kind of like, okay, what's next? Like, what do I do next? And, you know, my wife has been so supportive. She's been outstanding. And she was really the one that picked me off the mat and said, hey, you're going to find something else, right? Um, and it was, you know, you know, kind of one of those fortunate things that had happened. Uh, me and Jeff Duncan kind of got to know each other just from being on the road recruiting ABCA um, to the convention. And, and he's a, he's an awesome, awesome guy, awesome guy. And so he kind of called me out of the blue. I remember I was cleaning up my office and he said, Hey, there, you got a minute to talk. And, and, and so that minute ended up turning in, into like a two hour conversation. And so that was one where it was like, okay, like, Kent State, perennial powerhouse in the MAC, always going to regionals, and it was like, okay, like you know, there's an opportunity to go join another great winning program, and uh, and you know, my wife at the time she was like, I just don't know if I can go up there, you know, because she had a job. She's now vice president of her company, and. Mm. Um, I think she was uh, she was vice president or maybe she was transitioning into that. And so she said, I got to go back to Atlanta. And, you know, Jeff Duncan, he ended up offering me the job at Kent State. And any weekend that we had off in the fall or where I wasn't recruiting, you know, I would either buy a plane ticket or drive 10 hours you know, to go see the family. And, you know, there were some days where if we ended practice on a Friday at eight o'clock, I would drive all through the night. Right. And then, you know, I had to be back in the office, you know, that following Monday. So there were some days or some weeks, I should say that I only saw the wife and kids for maybe 36 hours. And, you know, I was right back on the road. So, so, you know, that, that part was a little tough you know, just being away from them. But, you know, we made it work. And uh, Jeff Duncan was was incredible about it. And he is a really, really good human being, one of the best guys in college baseball. The pitching coach, Mike Birkbeck, is a legend. He's an absolute legend, maybe one of the best pitching coaches in the country. And, you know, he's been at Kent for over 25 years now. Um, I actually spoke to him today. And um, – that time I had up there was unbelievable. I mean, the people up there were unbelievable. So very, very fortunate to work there. You know, and all those hours of driving back and forth, and, and I don't know how long y'all were apart, but, like, at any point did you ever think, like, hey, time to hang it up, do something different? I mean, obviously it's got to be tough on you. I know you – I know better than anybody. I mean, you love your family and, and wife's very supportive. I mean, I know, I know from, you know – 20 hours away where I'm standing right now, I can be like, yeah, it's tough on them. But I mean, it, how tough was it for you? And, and, and obviously it ended up being worth it in the long run, but did you ever think about giving it up? Yeah. You know, there was a part where I was like, man, like, uh, you know, this is tough. Right. But just having, just having a coaching staff, uh, and, and it really wasn't even a coaching staff. It was more so like those guys were my friends and they really supported me. And so, you know, there were some tough days where, you know, my where my office 
was at, it was, you know, it was pretty much one office and me and Mike Birkbeck were like, our computers and our desks were side by side, right? And so <laughs> he kind of saw me like, you know, you know, kind of getting down or frustrated. He would always say, hey, dude, we're going to lunch. Like, stop what you're doing. We're going to lunch. And, you know, Jeff Duncan and, and Tony Caldwell, who was our other assistant, you know, they would all join too. And so I never really had that feeling of hanging it up just because I knew I had really good friends who were supporting, um, you know, my current situation at the time because they knew it was tough. But, you know, I don't think I ever let that, you know, affect, you know, my career or my profession or, or even the job that I had at hand with the current team and with the recruits, right? Because I knew I still had to work. And, uh, you know, I made the best of it. With In the summer, it was pretty much awesome because, you know, everybody's in Atlanta for pretty much six weeks, right? You know, during WWBA, Lake Point. And, and so when I was down there recruiting, you know, I could stay at the house. You know, I could stay at home with the family. <laughs> so it was a little bit easier in the summer. Um, and then two in the spring when we traveled, typically we traveled South. And I remember one series when we went, we went down to Nashville and played, you know, three teams in Nashville. And so, you know, the wife and kids came up cause it was about three hours, you know, from their home in Atlanta. Right. So, so, you know, we did make it work from that standpoint, but, but, uh, yeah, no, it was difficult, but I had a great support staff. Well, if it's any if it's any uh, consolation, I mean, you 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 sign the second highest recruiting class ever. You, you win the MAC, um, and, and you just have a lot of success there. You coach, you know, one of the guys I know. I think and, and Alex Rommelbaum, I think, was on one of those teams. Yeah, um, he he was a really good player. So you had some really good players there. At while you're putting together this recruiting class at Kent, like, was there ever? And, and I know there is. So I don't want to be like whatever with this question, yep. but give me, you've been at Kennesaw state, you've been at Alabama, you've been at Kent state, all of them have success, but, but like how much different was it recruiting the SEC, even to a losing program at the time, which again, I have no doubt y'all were going to turn around if the time was given, how much different was it harder? Was it, um, you know, a situation was it uh, when you got back in the Mac instead of being in the SEC with, with those guys? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, just spending all those times at Kennesaw State and you're like in a hotbed um, in Atlanta. And and I would say everybody on our, on our team was pretty much in a 30-mile radius from campus, right? Like 70% of the guys. Um, so, you know, I really enjoyed coaching and I really enjoyed finding those those guys who were, uh, who were, I don't want to say projects, but the guys who had, you know, unbelievable tools that you could really dream on. Right. That was kind of like my thing. Everybody, everybody knows about the, you know, six, three left-handed hitting shortstop, right? Like those guys are easy to find, uh, or, or I should say pick out, but, you know, just trying to find those under the radar guys, you know, I, for whatever reason, you know, I really enjoy that. And so just going back to Kent and just trying to find those under the radar guys and, 
talking to Mike Birkbeck about, you know, how much success that they had, you know, throughout his whole career at Kent. You know, where did you guys go? Um, you know, where are the kids that are going to be tough kids that drink out of a water hose? You know, all those different things. And so he really helped me. And then so did Jeff Duncan. It's really great when your head coach goes out on the road with you, right? So you guys can have – And that's rare. Yeah, extremely rare. And so we would have multiple conversations – about kids just going to a game. And, you know, he was a coach where he would go down to Jupiter. He would go down to Fort Myers in the fall, right? He would go down to Atlanta. And so I really respected him for that. But, you know, recruiting as a whole, it was it was 100% a staff effort at Kent, 100%. And the same thing at Kennesaw as well. Um, but I would say, I would say the difference was – you know, at Alabama, you can you can get a kid to say yes quicker, uh, but when you're at a mid major, you really got to work, right? You really got to get on the phone. You really got to have a really good network. Talk to guys like yourself, guys you trust. About hey, tell me everything about this kid. I need to know everything because at because at a mid major, you know you're you're you know for the most part you're gonna keep kids you know, for four years for sure. as, you know, instead of being at, you know, Alabama oh, yeah. or in the SEC, you know, kids got to produce. Right. And so, um, you know, at the mid-major level, at the high mid-major level, you know, you just got to make sure you are right about a kid. And so when it came to that, you know, just talking as a, as a coaching staff, pretty much every day, we would have a recruiting meeting and just going over, you know, all, all the kids on our board. Okay. Does he check this box? Yes. Does he check this box? And you just go all the way down. Um, and then from there you're on the phone, you know, probably even more just trying to, you know, persuade a kid or convince a kid why he should come play for your program. It's definitely not a perfect science, but everywhere you were, especially um, Kennesaw and Kent, you know, everybody wants to, to win, and, and you had a shot to win there for sure. So, um, you know, you give somebody like you the uh, the chance to play for a championship, and, and I know you're going to work hard enough to find those players. I, I had a question, something that's really been on my heart lately, um, and, and you just happened to say something, and, and I just thought there's never been a better person on – record or off record to ask this. So we had a kid from Atlanta and I'm not going to mention this now. You'll probably figure it out, but I, I know there's rules and, and compliance and all that stuff. We had a kid play for us last two years. Best. I mean, and look, summer ball is a very confusing thing because kids go to these schools and they get cut and everybody goes, Oh, they they could never play there. Well, some of them just don't know how to hit, you know, I mean, they're going to figure it out. They just need 300 more at bats. Yeah. Um, we had a kid unbelievably offensive, player and, and he'll tell you like hey defensively he just wasn't very good but offensively he was in a league of his own he picks a certain power five school um in atlanta he goes there he gets cut call him up he's like hey they cut me i mean one of those never made an excuse never made he goes i, I don't know um i'm sitting here thinking if he would have chose any other school i mean we could start naming them kennesaw campbell 
I mean, you could just go all the way down the line. You start going out of state. I'm like, hey, this might be a freshman All-American. Yeah. I mean, this is a rare, 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 doesn't strike out very much and hits for as much power as you could you could imagine. And I'm just sitting there going, it's all about the fit. Yeah. And a place like it now, look, I live in Texas, and Texas got more players than they know what to do with. <laughs> but it doesn't seem to be as in a hotbed like when you roll into Atlanta. And you can go on an hour surface anywhere, and there's high schools, and there's Tamar Johnsons, and there's all these just unbelievable – even the bad players or the, 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 the lower, the top 500 players, I shouldn't say bad players, they're all good players, but even the non-top 10 players in the country that you just randomly walk up to a field, you go, wow, that kid's unbelievable. Like, where's he going to school? Um, they, they all have the same options. Well, they all go to the same schools. They have unlimited options, a lot of them, but they all go to the Georgias and the Georgia Techs and the Kenneth Ross. Talk to me about, because you were one of these players 20 years ago, how, how important it is to pick the right fit especially for someone that can go to any of those schools and could even go to a Clemson if you wanted to or, a, you know, a South Carolina or wherever. But there's there's so many in-state, in-region options. And, and if somebody picks the wrong option, they're in a junior college instead of hitting in the five hole for another power five or really, really good mid-major. Yeah, no, I I think that's ultra important trying to find the right fit. Uh, you know, they're – there was a kid that we had at Kennesaw State. He was, you know, probably the, you know, top five player in the state coming out of high school, Max Pentecost, and he committed uh, to Kennesaw before I even got there. You know, he committed there as like a sophomore. And he picked Kennesaw State. He ended up being the seventh rounder out of high school and, you know, was the 11th overall pick at Kennesaw, right? And so – you know, I do think it is important for kids to try to find the right fit for them. And, you know, when I was growing up, you know, kind of like I said earlier, I played at East Cobb and, and, you know, our teams were always really, really good. I remember Tyler Flowers, um, who, you know, was called in the big leagues for probably eight or nine years he was a guy that had offers from everywhere in the country. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was a guy that said, you know what? I want to go to Chipola. Right. Cause he wanted to go play pro ball. And he knew that for him spending three years, um, at the division one level, wasn't the right fit for him. Right. Uh, and we had other kids that went to Tulane and, you know, college of Charleston, really, really good players that had really good careers. And I think now is more important than any time, you know, especially with the transfer portal now, that kids have to find the right fit for them. And I get it. Like, there's going to be, you know, other kids on your team that, you know, may be committed to a power five. But if you can go to, uh, you know, UT Arlington, right, which is a great program, that may be the best fit for you. Um, and so I really do think that, that, you know, always tell kids this, like where you go to school and who you choose to marry are going to be the two most important decisions you'll ever make in your life. Right. I know about that. And so for me, it was where I went to school, I ended up meeting my wife, you know? Um, and so I do think kids need to really sit down, uh, and, some kids, you know, once they know, they know, right? 
I know Campbell does an unbelievable job with recruiting. Uh, Kennesaw State, there's a ton of really good mid-majors that do an unbelievable job when it comes to recruiting, but kids have to find the right fit for them and not get so caught up, you know, and putting it on social media or, you know, trying to trying to impress their peers because at the end of the day, once you leave high school, right, you know, I know our, our third weekend of the year, we're going down, we're playing East Carolina, right? And that's, and that's going to be a bear. Um, that's going to be a really good opponent. And so, you know, kids need to know that, that, that there are some really, really good college baseball programs out there with some really good coaches. So, I, I mean, I do think it is all about trying to find the right fit for you personally. Well, unfortunately, the kids and the parents, a lot of times me, I mean, it's impossible to know if it's if it's the right fit or not. I mean, you know, you, you don't – hindsight's so just whatever because, I mean, we had a guy one time hit 10-hole for me that ended up playing in SEC a little bit. Yeah. And then the best player I've ever had, ever. I mean, the best player we've ever had was in SEC for two years and didn't get one at bat. So it's like – we, you know, I, I hate it. I, I just hate the whole process because you, you know, you end up being around people and you end up loving them, and, and you just, you know, I don't think anybody's really lied to, or you know, I don't think anybody's doing a bad job. I just think it's just, you know, I hate it because a kid might go to a place that they think's a fit, go to junior college, never get the grades to go back, or yeah. you know, get hurt or get somebody pregnant. I mean, a lot of variables. Life is what it is, and it's like, hey, that that guy might have had a shot. Sometimes be a big leaguer. I mean, yeah. sometimes change his whole trajectory of life, and you just go, "Hey, if he would have just went," and he don't even have to be a mid major. I mean, it could be just somebody needs an outfielder where this school might have ten of them. No, um, and I and, and I do think sucks. it's it's uh, important for kids. So, prime example here at Indiana, we uh, in our in our twenty one class uh, that was really like our first recruiting class. And so during COVID, actually, um, I got a text. It was actually one of my contacts from whenever I was at Kent State. Uh, he contacted me and, and said, hey, I know you guys can't be out on the road, but I got this catcher. And so he sent me some video and, and you know, I fell in love with the kid, talked to him and his parents and unbelievable family. And uh you know, we ended up getting him, and he's a high school catcher. And, you know, we felt pretty good with where we were at behind the plate. And he was like, hey, coach, I can play first base too. And he literally he, – he caught last year maybe like four innings, but he ended up being a All-American first baseman for us, right? So I think that for kids, sometimes finding the right fit, it's like, okay, you may be a third baseman only right maybe for high school and, and two for summer ball but tr try to learn a new position you know oh yeah maybe you do go over the first base and say hey 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 chase i want to play first base this game right or you know if you're a shortstop and it's and you know your school's got three or four shortstops in that class it may be hey i want to go play center field this game right or take fly balls during BP um, for your high school team. 
those little things right there because if you can find your way on the field, the more versatile you are, the better chance you'll find yourself on the field, right? Because, you know, right now uh, our first baseman, who was a freshman All-American, he's going he's gonna to come back and catch this year for us. And we have a pretty talented shortstop, and, you know, we're trying him out at first base right now, right? So, um, you know, the more positions that you can play, the more options that are going to open up for a kid. So, you know, when it comes oh, down to the right fit, I do think that, you know, just being open to playing other positions can definitely help a kid out. Well, you know, a kid could sit here and they'll say, and they might not say directly, but directly or indirectly, they'll say like, hey, I don't play first. Well, let me tell you, nothing more miserable than being a first baseman than not playing. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, nothing. I don't I don't care what you say. You're exactly right. Um, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. So you had a great run at Kennesaw State. You leave there. You go to Indiana. You're in Big Ten country. You've got some more assets back to your disposal now. You've got – uh, Power Five Conference. You've got some big time facilities, um, and, and you've got a, a school with some with some um, with some history and, and something that the state loves. And um, it's a it's a program with alumni base like none other. Um, you've you've now successfully in your coaching career picked another school with the absolute most random colors. <laughs> I mean, you've been maroon and gold. You've been black and gold. You've been Alabama maroon, you've been Columbia blue and yellow right. can. Um and, and now you're you're actually I have a folder on my phone of screenshotted shirts and jerseys and, and just all kind of stuff. And you actually um have one of the better jerseys I've seen in a long time. You now rock the gray with the red pinstripes. Oh man, um, guys love those jerseys. They yeah, they're we haven't wore red in a long time, but it, we ha- actually, I can send you a picture later. We have a mock-up of, of gray with red. We just haven't really circled back around to gray. We're actually, or not gray, but circled back to red. We, we were navy heavy for a while and then did the green last year and going black and white for the White Sox now. Okay. But, um, we had the, we, we actually, we took y'all's kind of concept and flipped it a little bit. So you've, you're now rocking a, a different color red. Um, I, I don't even know what shade that is. I'm sure you'll tell me who's your red. Yeah. Uh, and you got, you got a great thing going over at Indiana. So take us through that a little bit. And if you want to talk about some of the stuff you're excited for this season, I want to make sure we give you your just to, to kind of, to kind of talk about um, this coming spring as well. Yeah, no. So uh, to kind of go back to the front, um, Jeff Mercer, who's our head coach, when I was when I was a volunteer at Central Michigan, he was actually the volunteer over at Michigan. And so, oh wow! And so when he would uh, run camps at Michigan, I would come down and help him out. So you know we had a friendship for over twelve or thirteen years. And uh, you know when the opportunity came about, he called me up, and and uh, you know it was closer to Atlanta. Into a situation where, you know, my entire family could come up, you know, the wife and the kids. And, and, you know, it's been an unbelievable experience. You know, I feel like Indiana, um, you know, it's a power five. It's a great university, beautiful campus, uh, great tradition, like you said. And, uh, you know, I feel like it's that it's that perfect mix of power five and like that high mid major, right? Getting those guys who are, who are tough, competitive kids. Um, 
but that like next tier of kids, you know, if that makes sense. So, For sure. So, you know, it's been an unbelievable experience. Um, you know, we, we've had some success here and, you know, we've really recruited well, or we felt like we've recruited well. And, uh, you know, we're really excited about this season. You know, we have a pretty tough non-conference schedule this year. Um, you can blame that on the head coach. So we go uh, at Auburn to open up and then at Texas and then at East Carolina. So, mm. you know, we'll kind of know what team we have after week three, you know. So, so yeah. It's it's a great place. There's a lot of good things going for you, um, and, and it's one that, uh, with enough time, all roads will lead. You know, I'm sure to a to a Big Ten championship like they have for you in your career th- this whole time. Tell me, kind of, um, the, the state of Indiana. Obviously, the the number one player in the country right now is from Indiana, but um, the 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 recruiting side of things. I mean, it's a different kind of market for you a little bit. Yeah. Um, tell me tell me how exciting it is to be at a flagship school of the state and just, just kind of, um, you know, when, when you walk around with that, that Hoosier logo on your chest, it, it means a little something more similar to Alabama, although Alabama's got kind of a fighting um, mascot challenge for the, for the power of the state. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but you've got some, you've got some real pride walking around. You represent something, kind of more than just baseball, especially in recruiting, if you want to talk about that a little bit, where as you come from a place where there's, you know, 20 schools in Atlanta, you could go to it and have some pride. You know, now kind of you're in a state where we're being a Hoosier. Uh, kind of, there's kids that, that are born in Hoosier onesies. So kind of talk about that for me a little bit. Yeah, no, it, our state is is a great state. It's a state that, you know, of course they love their basketball, right? Oh, yeah. But it's a state where – the state of Indiana doesn't have a professional baseball team, right? And so you literally get fans from all over the state because we are the flagship state, like you said, that come from all over the state to come watch us play. And and so we really are – our team is representing the entire state of Indiana. Um, it's a great baseball state. You know, like you said, you know, we've got Max Clark, in the state, um, Andrew Wiggins, you know, who's also in the state as well. It's a it's a really really good baseball state, and two, um, it's very similar to Atlanta, to where Atlanta's got East Cobb, Lake Point, and then up here we've got Grand Park, right? Where where teams from all over the Midwest, teams from the South, you know, they'll come up and they'll play at Grand Park. So there are a lot of tournaments up here and from a recruiting standpoint it is awesome because on the way up or maybe on the way down kids are able to see our campus um and and so from a recruiting standpoint it's great but you know the players in the state are super talented they're extremely talented and you know we want to keep our kids in state uh and you know we want to make them hoosiers so you know from a recruiting standpoint we do like to attack the state first and then try to work ourselves out from there. But, uh, yeah, no, it's a great state to recruit. You know, we're really excited, you know, about the upcoming season. Um, season ticket holders – or season tickets are up this year, I should say. And so, you know, it should be a very fun season for us. 
Well, when y'all start going out of state to recruit, you know directly where to come. No so doubt. No that doubt. border. No doubt. I got, I got, got a <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll get you a few. Um, before we get to kind of our last couple of questions to, to wrap this thing up, man, I really want to talk about something serious, um, something I know you're kind of headlining. And, and as a 33-year-old white male, you know, kind of something I want to be on the on the side of, of help, man. And, and, you know, one of the biggest problems in the game is lack of minority coaching, um, lack of minority players is something that is really a shame. It's something, you know, I talked, I had Matt Hobbs on here and, you know, he talked about it and, and just kind of said, you know, there, there's a bunch of good candidates out there. There's a bunch of great players and human beings out there. And, um, you know, it, it's, I know a lot of people are trying to grow the game and it's not really growing as fast as some of us wish we would. I just want to talk about that. I know it's a real thing. And, um, I know that, you know, you're you're one of the leading examples and, and just been such a class act. And I know that, um, you know, you're, you're kind of a voice for, um, you know, guys may be listening or players that are thinking about getting in coaching. There's no one route, but uh, kind of just wanted to give you a chance to, to use the platform to, to kind of speak on that whole subject and um, kind of where this thing's headed. Yeah, no, I think uh, obviously with the NCAA passing the fourth assistant, Right. You know, I do think that that's going to help. But there's been, you know, other guys other than myself, like Kerry Jackson over at. Oh, yeah. And Edwin Thompson over at Georgetown. Um, Mike Martinez over at San Diego State. There's been so many guys who who have helped try to grow, try to grow our game. I know Tim Corbin uh, has done an unbelievable job, too, as well, have have tried to help grow our game um but i think the main thing is 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 trying to have more scholarships in the sport to you know try to you know alleviate the cost for some kids um i know guys like you and yourself you know when it comes to travel ball and you know just how expensive the sport can be you know i was very fortunate growing up where I had parents who, you know, at the time I didn't know this, you know, they, they were paying for hotels and paying for food and driving literally all over the country to support me. Um, and so I know that there are some kids that, that don't have that. And so, you know, I do think having more scholarships and the more kids that can play, that can play the game. then I do think, the, the more opportunities there will be from a coaching standpoint. Um, and then, you know, just trying to get these kids and I'm not sure if we need to have like a, uh, I know major league baseball has like a diversity committee to where they, you know, show, show kids or, you, you know, show former players or people that want to get in the game uh, who are a minority, you know, kind of show them what it takes to be a scout, right, or how to evaluate players. And I do think that college baseball needs to have something like that, right, uh, to where that they can show these kids to where they're not like me, showing up to the field at 3 o'clock, right, uh, you know, trying to prep them for college baseball. But I do think, you know, if we can – uh, you know, try to go the game and the more assistant coaches that we can have, 
you know, I do think that's going to help. But, you know, obviously the NCAA, you know, passed the fourth assistant, which I do think is going to help. But I do think that if we can have more scholarships, that would help grow the game because the more players you have in college baseball who are minorities, now hopefully the more coaches you can have from that. Oh, yeah. Well, just a truer passion because right now, I mean, it's so easy for anyone with less of a, a financial advantage as others to play basketball or football because college is free. Yeah. I mean, free across the board. So, um, man, I, like I said, I just wanted to – we started this whole podcast to be a part of change, which we'll get to on our last question. But, I mean, I, I just want to be a part of change. And, you know, some days I get mad that Kyler Murray's throwing four touchdowns on Sunday instead of hitting in the two-hole <laughs> for somebody. I mean, we, we, I, I'm I'm just a believer. If I want all the best athletes in the world to play baseball, it'll it'll make it it'll make it it'll make it fun. I promise you. Exactly. Um, and, and there there's nothing like watching a human being like Tamar Johnson hit or Elijah Dukes or um, it it's it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun. So, um, kind of want to wrap this up, man. Let you get to bed. I, I can't thank you enough for all this time. I got two questions that I like to ask every recruiting coordinator or college coach, and then we got the five questions we end every show with, but. Uh, I want to know, give me the best player you've ever recruited. You didn't necessarily have to sign them, um, but give me the best player you've ever saw in person and or recruited. Oh, the best player I've ever recruited, man. I would say, I would say the, the best player. So just being fortunate enough to uh, work with team USA baseball too, as well. You know, I, I would say, the the best player and I kind of I wouldn't say I knew this but you know I knew he was going to be a different kid was probably Tamar Johnson and he was 13 years old uh trying to make the 15 u national team and I remember Brady House was on the mound um we had just selected Tamar uh from the 14 u national development program team to come up to trials for the 15 U team and Brady house was on the mound and he was like, you know, 15 years old, 90, right. And Tamar, Tamar told me, Hey coach, I've never seen anything above like 87. Right. And I was just like, Hey man, just go have in the back. Right. You'll be totally fine. And he saw one pitch. And from there it was like, you know, he had been seeing 93 his whole life, right? Um, so he may be, like, the best, the probably, like, one of the best kids where it was like, man, this kid is totally different. And everyone kind of knew at an early age, you know, especially with the So, So Tamar's the best player you've ever uh, recruited. Give me the best player you've ever coached. The best. And 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 obviously tomorrow's on that list, but we'll take him out for this question. Yeah, I, so I would say uh, Team USA. You know, I've been fortunate enough to have some really really good players or coach some really good players. Uh, but I'm gonna go college here, and I'm gonna go with Max Pentecost. I mean, okay. he had as a junior at Kennesaw, he hit four thirty, led the country in hitting hits, RBIs. I mean, he just went crazy that year i mean he was unbelievable unbelievable so he was probably the best player i'd ever coached definitely definitely a special player um and, and real quick take me through that usa journey obviously 
uh, to have USA on your chest means so much. And, and there's just – I don't think people realize the amount of work that goes in, like, the coaching on USA. I mean, it's James Cooper's a friend of mine, and, you know, we talk about it sometimes. I mean, it's it's a tremendous amount of pride and tremendous amount of talent everywhere, but there's also a ton of work going on and um, a ton of pressure a lot of times to, to – to represent the country. So talk about USA real quick for me and some of the experiences you've had. Yeah, I, I've, uh, so when I was at Central Michigan, um, the head coach, he actually made me coach a local sports club team. And so per NCAA rules, you can, you can have like a summer team from within 50 miles of campus. And, and that particular year, there just happened to be some, really good players in the area and we won the palomino state tournament and then we won the regional tournament and then we went out to california and we won the world series and uh once we won the world series i got an email from usa baseball saying hey would you like to come out and you know come to the tournament of the stars which at that point was the selection for the 18 national team and I thought the email was like a fake email, you know. Um, so, you know, I didn't respond. And then they sent me another email. And, you know, I finally got back to them. And they said, hey, we want you to come out and coach. And, uh, you know, coach there for – with the 18U team for like three years. Um, but Brent Us, he was the director at the time. He's now the – I believe he's still the associate AD over at Auburn. And then uh, he left. And then Sean Cole, who's now the pitching coach at San Diego State, he took over as the director. Um, and Sean and I still have a great relationship to this day. And that experience is is unbelievable. I mean, you're coaching the top 140 players in the country. You're there literally from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m., just like trying to evaluate – you know, throwing BP, hitting ground balls, trying to compare basically like Hunter Green to, you know, you know, like uh, I'm trying to think of somebody else. Like Hunter Green was there with Nick Gatewood, right? Like, like two or I'm sorry, not Nick Gatewood, uh, Jacob Gatewood, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're trying to compare literally like two adonis of athletes like who are both like 94 to 95 on the mound that can also play shortstop so uh so yeah i mean the selection process is really really tough and i and sometimes i don't think people understand that hey it's not about the pro prospect it's about trying to find the best team to win a gold medal right now like today and so there are some difficult conversations that we have to have with kids, but uh, for the organization, it is about trying to win a gold medal and trying to find like the best kids who can gel on a team. Cause for the most part, when it comes to USA baseball, uh, they'll have like the PDP league and then the kids will go off and play with their summer teams and then they'll come back for trials. And they're literally there for maybe two weeks and then they're off playing games while other countries are together for their teams are together for a full year. So it really is difficult when you really think about, you know, trying to form a team with like 
the best collection of players, but also the, you know, the same time, the team that's going to gel, gel the best. Uh, oh, yeah. And so, you know, I did an 18U team for a couple years and uh, kind of took like a two-year break and then got a call from the 15U uh, director at the time and, you know, been working with the 15U team for about six or seven years now. And it's been great. You know, it's an unbelievable experience. And, you know, you know, I'll tell every kid out there, if USA Baseball calls, you need to answer that phone call because it is a experience like no other, right? I mean, it's an unbelievable experience. You get to play for your country. You get to play with kids who are just as talented as you. So do not back down from that challenge. And, yeah, I mean, it was great. It was great. Well, I, we, we, I, everybody I speak for, we appreciate everything you do with USA and everything you do for baseball as a whole and definitely everything you do for the sticks. So um want, want to wrap this thing up. We wrap up every podcast with what I call five moments of truth, okay. which is five, five questions. So f- question one is give me the best advice you've ever received and who gave it to you. Uh, the best advice I ever received was probably from my dad, and that is uh, don't be the loudest one in the room. That's actually really good advice. Yeah. Especially when you work in the SEC. <laughs> I mean, or, or, or the Big yeah. Ten, actually. I mean, it's just yeah, it's good advice. Uh, moment, of, moment of truth number two, give me the biggest mentor you've had, either personally or professionally. Uh, I would say – I would say uh, – Personally, probably Mike Birkbeck over at Kennesaw or uh, over at Kent State. And that's impressive because you've had some yeah. good ones. Um, you know, on the line of of him being, you know, kind of the mentor. Question three is: Give me your best up and coming guy. Let's say you leave Indiana tomorrow, you go to the Yankees, and they come and they say, "Hey, we can get any young guy in the country. Who should we hire to replace you?" Man, so we have a guy on staff. At- actually here at Indiana and uh, Zach Weatherford, he is, he was probably 27 years old, 26, 27 years old around that. Um, and he is really, really good. Just a guy who cares about the kids, uh, cares about coaching, cares about recruiting. He's starting to get into recruiting more. He wants to learn. He reminds me a lot of myself, you know, at the same age. Well, he's he's destined to be a good one then. Moment of truth four, give me your personal and or professional goals for 2023. Uh, personal, I would say, personal, I would say, uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with my kids only because they're playing sports and whatnot. And, and uh, since my kids are getting older, you know, me and my wife, are always always in two separate places right so i would say probably uh not saying i don't spend time with her right because i don't want people to think i don't spend time with my wife uh but i would say just make more time for her as far as as uh you know just making time for her just like having a date night like just like you know just making more time for my wife because we are super busy in our careers obviously we have two great kids and so just making sure we spend, you know, uh, uh, 
uh, quality time with each other. And then professionally, just, uh, you know, obviously we want to win, but for us it's more so about the development and just making sure our kids continue to develop, right, uh, on and off the field. You know, we have kids at IU that want to be doctors, so just supporting them and what they want to do. Other kids, you know, they want to play professional baseball. So just uh, continue to develop our kids. Well, we appreciate your wife letting letting you spend this hour with us tonight. Um, we'll, we'll get this last question out of here, and uh, we'll, we'll let you go spend whatever time you guys got for the rest of the evening together. Question five, the reason I started this entire podcast was to be a part of change. And I'll be the first to say a lot of times I don't know exactly what change looks like, but but I want to leave this place better than I found it. I want to leave baseball in the world and all that good stuff better than I found it. So, um, you know, just kind of want to give you an open-ended just, just spot right here to talk about how we can all make this thing better than we found it, how we can inspire others and motivate people. And uh, just anybody listening at the end of the show, hopefully there'll be thousands listening. But even if it's just one person, kind of leave it with, uh, you know, your takeaway on how we can all leave everything better than we found it. Yeah, no, I would say uh, as far as change goes, just, um, you know, making sure everybody respects one another, right? Obviously, as coaches, um, and you too, you're a coach uh, and a terrific coach at that, but just making sure we respect one another, respect everyone in their career, knowing that they have families and, and just, uh, you know, just making sure we take the time like we did tonight, you know, to like to talk to one another and not be on to the next thing or on to the next recruit, just like, you know, continue to build really good relationships and keep those relationships. Right. It's not about me calling you up. Hey, Chase, like what kind of player you got for me or, you know, or, Hey Derek, I got this guy. Whatever it may be, just like taking the time out and being like, "Hey Chase, like, how's your family doing? Right? Like, how are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, For just sure. making sure that we respect everybody's time, everybody's effort, because I think that will go a long way. Because I do think in our profession we can get, uh, you know, pretty fast and on to the next thing. And so when it comes to change, if we are committed to personal relationships and respecting each other i do think that that there's going to be change within our game with you know guys not decommitting and going to another school right um there's going to be change as far as as, um you know just guys respecting one another you know that's a big thing for me just you know respect who you work with um, have respect for another guy. You know, everybody's competing, whether it's on the field, whether it's recruiting. But at the end of the day, you know, let's sit down and, and, and you know, let's hang out, right? Uh, so for sure. That's the biggest thing for me. I, I think respect goes a long way. Um, and so just make sure we're respecting. Yeah. Well, Coach, I can't thank you enough. I can't uh, just – Explain to you how much I appreciate our friendship and, and everything you do for us. And, and, you know, we love you over here. We're hoping for Indiana to have a great year. And, and just want to say, man, I appreciate you coming on the Chase Brewster Show. And if I can ever help in any way, please let man, me know. Man, I appreciate it, Chase. You know, I 
think extremely high of you and your program and everything that you guys do. You guys are first class and, and uh, you know, I really appreciate you having me on, you know, as soon as you said, Hey, can, can you come on the podcast? And I was like, absolutely. I'll drop everything that I'm doing, you know, to spend some time with you. So, you know, I really have me uh-huh. on. I appreciate that, and, and I don't know how you felt, but I, I enjoyed it, man. And it's it was the I was the real winner tonight, and hopefully when this airs, and everybody gets to listen to it. Th- there'll be a lot of winners involved, but we appreciate it. And again, thank you very much, and, and let me know if I can do anything. No doubt, for you. Chase. I appreciate you. Go Hoosiers. Thanks, Coach. He conducted himself like a knucklehead.